So they say it takes about 90 days to form a new habit. It wasn't really until day 91 that I thought, huh, maybe they're onto something here. Hey everybody and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whenever it is that you're joining us. It's a beautiful day here in Connecticut and whether you've realized it or not, you're listening to the Uncurated Catholic Show, where we celebrate the random, the messy, and the real. I'm your host, Torin Burke, youth minister and teacher by day and writer and obsessive thinker by night. And somewhere in between, I like to sit down and share what's been on my heart and occupying my mind. So if you're tuning in for the very first time right here each and every week, we may chat about God, life, advertising, goal setting, beekeeping, poetry, really whatever seems worth sharing, all in the time it takes me to drink my morning coffee. So grab yourself a cup of whatever works for you. And before we begin today's show, make sure you check me out at torinburke.com, or you can follow the show on Instagram at uncuratedcatholic. Let's get to it. All right, so today I've actually entered a whole new dimension of coffee snobbery. And it's compliments to my friend Carrie. A couple weeks ago, she actually showed up on my doorstep with a gift, which turned out to be two awesome things. First of all, there was a custom uncurated Catholic show coffee mug featuring the logo. I guess at some point my wife was able to snatch it and get it to her. And uh, a bag of Mystic Monk coffee, which I had never tried before. So this morning, I grabbed my mug ready to go, and then I realized that the coffee itself was whole bean. It wasn't ground up. And before, you know, before I thought too much about it, I decided, okay, I'm going to make things way more difficult than they need to be. So I took out our granite mortar and pestle, uh, which had been sitting there unused for years. I, we've never done it. I don't, I don't know why we even had it, but I'm like, you know what, this is, this is going to work. So I ground up some beans by hand, brewed them up in our French press. So not only did I really get to give our mortar and pestle some, you know, gainful employment, actually give it something to do. I, I'm also getting to enjoy this awesome coffee in my incredible new mug. You can check out pictures on the Instagram of it, uh, as well as the incredibly engaging step-by-step process from this morning's ordeal on Instagram at Uncurated Catholic. So, Carrie, a big thank you again. It was very sweet, very unexpected, and I really do appreciate the support. So, in honor of Father's Day, which we celebrated this last weekend, I wanted to take some time to think about guy stuff. Now, ladies... There's no need to freak out and run away. You're more than welcome to hang out because the fact of the matter is that men exist. And you probably interact with some, maybe even, dare I say, many during the course of your life. So there's no sense, at least in my opinion, in tuning out of the conversation about masculinity, fatherhood, other smelly and untamed stuff, because it's there, right, for better or for worse. So not to begin with the worse, but... I think it's really worth looking at dads in church because there's a strange phenomenon, at least in my experience, that permeates my observations, right? I see so many dads that are more or less checked out. Now, that's not to say all dads or all men are absent from the life of the church. Of course not. But those who are, I think, are exemptions rather than the norm. One of the things that I do professionally at the at my parishes that I work at is faith formation. So I interact with parents all the time. You know, they come in, they want to register little Billy for classes, or they want to know about the process for little Billy to be confirmed. And wouldn't you know it, but I speak to mothers, aunts, grandmothers, godmothers, almost exclusively. Again, I say almost, however, it is a noticeably consistent thing. It's something which I really spot a lot. There's also this like bro group 
that hangs out in the back of most churches I've been to. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? They kind of sneak in when the homily starts. They chat about baseball quietly to themselves with their friends around. And then they kind of make for the door right after communion. It's just one of those things that I tend to see. And because of my travels in the Coast Guard, you know, I've lived in a few different places around the country and I've been to my fair share of parishes. And across the board, there's this phenomenon, this group of guys, some smaller, some larger, but there's this group that just kind of hangs out in the back and is noticeably disengaged. Right? So what makes these guys come around when it's so obvious that they do not want to be there? Right? Probably a sense of obligation, I'm sure, or a sense that... It reflects well on them to go, maybe in the eyes of others, in the eyes of the community. I don't really know. But why are many not coming around in the first place? I think for one thing, it's the fact that sports often battle masses for Sunday mornings, right? And that's enough to keep many guys in their armchairs at home. You know, it leaves out others, those in the bro group, right, who do come in, it leaves them to kind of swing in and swing out, hopefully without missing too much of the game. You know, God love them, you know, they're at least there, but it's clear that their heart is far from what's actually happening on the altar. And that really, to me, is an utter shame. So that's the worst, so to speak. And not to start this whole conversation off on a bad note, but praise God, there is a better as well, right, for better or for worse. While the church has really been struggling with engaging men spiritually, well, it hasn't always been the case. There's been phenomenal, you know, male saints, obviously, throughout the church. And we see real faithful, incredible priests serving God's people. But there's also, in the terms of lay people, lay men, um, it really does seem like the church is struggling to engage many spiritually, really meeting them where they are, right? There are a lot of hopeful things happening as well. A lot of phenomenal ministries and movements that are taking place to meet this need. One in particular you may have heard of. It's called Exodus 90. And if you are a guy who has at least a kernel of interest in growing closer to God and bettering yourself, then you need to check it out. It's a 90-day experience in which you journey with the Israelites through the Exodus account in scripture. And if you haven't dusted off your Old Testament in a while, right, Exodus, it's that one with Moses and, you know, he's leading the people out of slavery in Egypt and through the desert and all the while coming to know God better. They hang out at Mount Sinai and they make a lot of mistakes and God has to discipline them like a loving father. Yeah, that one, right? Well, this 90-day program involves daily readings, you pretty much read most of the book of Exodus, nearly all of the book of Exodus by the end of it, as well as all sorts of other things. You grow in prayer, you grow in fraternity with other guys, and you grow in asceticism. And we'll talk about that in a sec. But for prayer, let's begin there, because that's really kind of the heart of it is growing closer to God, right? For prayer, you commit to making a daily holy hour and reading each day's prayer reflections. So throughout the 90 days, you're carving out that time right? 60 minutes, an hour to go before Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament in adoration, or at the very least setting time to just get away from your day-to-day, -day, a time of quiet prayer, time of quiet, whether it's rosaries or whatever the case may be, just quiet time. Um, and they help you, the program helps you by also giving you these little reflections to kind of draw you into all sorts of different topics to consider, right? So, 
that's the first thing. But for asceticism, like I said, you know, here we are, we're coming back to it. It's a weird word, asceticism. You probably haven't heard it um, if you're not super plugged into, you know, different practices of ancient monks and, you know, stuff like that. That tends to be when we talk about asceticism, but it comes from a Greek word essentially for physical training, right? Physical training. And so in this program, you're taking on all sorts of tasks or really fasts, right? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to read you the list here just to give you a full sense of what it is that you're doing for 90 days. So, uh, you take cold, short showers, you practice regular intense exercise. You get a full night's sleep, at least seven hours. You're abstaining from alcohol. You're abstaining from desserts and sweets. You're abstaining from eating between meals. You're abstaining from soda or sweet drinks. Praise the good Lord. Black coffee is allowed. So that was a that was a huge blessing. I was very I struggled with the with the sweet drinks, but man, I had my black coffee and that was phenomenal. But Continuing on, you're abstaining from television, movies, and televised sports. You're abstaining from video games, abstaining from non-essential material purchases. So no just flipping through Amazon just for the sake of it. You're only listening to music that lifts your soul to God. Um, you only use your computer for work, school, or essential tasks like paying bills. You only use your mobile device for essential communications, right? So you're not just doing mobile apps and internet and all sorts of stuff that you don't need to be. And you're taking Wednesday and Fridays as days of fasting, kind of like Lent, you know, the, the fasting and Lent kind of using that model. So that's quite the list, right? And hearing that list, you may be thinking, why on earth would I ever want to do all that? <laughs> and I thought the same thing before I did Exodus 90. It's daunting. It's absolutely daunting but it's doable, right? It's one of those things, you know, maybe you've, you've experienced something similar where you're just so intrigued by the challenge of it all. Like, could I, could I do that? That you're like, you know what, I'm going to give that, a, give that a try. That was kind of my perspective jumping into it. You know, I've, I've had other experiences, my parish, um, for a couple years in a row, uh, we did a, a 50 mile walking pilgrimage, over the course of a couple of days. And so you're walking maybe 20 miles a day, uh, 20, 20, and then 10 to, to finish it off. Um, and it's, you know, I, you know, I, I walk around a little bit, you know, at work and all that. I'm, I'm not an incredibly out of shape person, but it's been many years since I've had to do PT tests with the Coast Guard. So I looked at it and I was like, you know what, could I, could, how would that go? And I, I jumped in and I found out it was way harder than I thought, but I, I did it. And I really was appreciative that I did it. That was really kind of my mindset looking at this list, right? Um, it's daunting, but it's doable. And, you know, while it challenges you to look beyond comforts, it makes you appreciate the little things. Like, for example, the cold showers, right? That tends to be the one thing that I hear people really struggle with. It's tough, right? And really what made it all the more difficult for me when I did the program was because I did it last winter. I did it in January through March. However, let me tell you what, not only do you get used to it, right? You get used to the cold water and the cold water has actually been shown to have all sorts of positive effects on mood and even hair and skin health, right? It's made me appreciate my clothes, right? Because there was nothing quite like putting on dry, warm clothes after a cold shower, and that was an experience I had never had before, 
You know, you jump out of the cold shower, you're rushing through it and you're putting on your clothes. You're like, oh, it's just, it's such a nice feeling. And it makes you look at your clothing all in a different way, right? You know, when you take all of the different aesthetical practices, you get a real opportunity to challenge yourself. And the more we deny ourselves unnecessary pleasures, the more self-control we build, right? So that we can choose the good, the true, and the beautiful in life. Now, I sometimes hear people regard such things as, you know, these silly religious practices that deny people the good, you know, beautiful experiences in life, right? It's like some oppressive regime is forcing us to give up pleasures for the sake of controlling us. Maybe you've heard something like that. I, I chuckle at it for a few reasons. Um, and before I get to those, you know, it's true historically that if you go back to say the you know medieval ages, there were you know moments throughout history where people were kind of um, unfocused on the reality of the gospel message and trying to take on physical tasks so as to draw closer to God, not in a spiritual way, but through like physical mortifications. And you you see sometimes in, you know, movies, like this depiction of these religious fanatics that are like hurting themselves, right? For this warped sense of spiritual enlightenment. The church has been very clear as well, right? That the reality is that such physical tasks in and of themselves do not hold power in and of themselves, right? That any sort of denial of oneself, you have to be careful that you're not causing yourself physical damage, that you're not causing yourself um, psychological harm. Those are not the point. And if those are taking place because of any sort of ascetical practice or any sort of fast or denial of oneself, of some earthly pleasure, right? That it's no longer a prayerful experience and, and should not be undertaken. But if you look through the list again, right? Like I already said, there is well-documented health benefits to cold showers, right? Uh, yeah. If you stay in a sub zero <laughs> shower for a long period of time, right? Hypothermia is, is a reality, but generally speaking, it's not going to cause any sort of physical uh, ailment, right? It's, it's actually a positive thing, a healthy thing, giving up sweets, it's a healthy thing. Walking away from entertainment, video games, TV, it's all a healthy thing. So if you go through the list again, you would notice that it's not intentional physical pain or struggle. In fact, it's just a denial of the pleasures, the good things. These, these aren't bad things. There's something wrong with television or with a piece of cake. But the whole project is about separating oneself in kind of a radical way so that you can really notice your attachment to unnecessary things, right? So how is this experience different? First of all, it's a completely voluntary thing, of course, right? The church is not forcing people to do this. This is, this is a personal experience, right? With a group of, of supporters, with a group of other guys. And secondly, when you think about it, we respect athletes who deny themselves, say, the pleasure of sleeping in so they can go out early for workouts. And they deny themselves that piece of cake so they can stay in shape. And they deny themselves those late night parties so they can get in full rest. Athletes who deny themselves for the sake of their sport tend to inspire us. But when one denies themselves for the sake of spiritual control and spiritual growth, so many kind of look at that as like fanatical 
right? I, I think it's funny yeah, that the, the similarity between those two things are not more evident to, to some. But anyways, I had a phenomenal experience with Exodus 90. There's an app you download and, you know, they keep track of the days and, you know, they give you all the different readings you need each day. The app does not encapsulate the whole thing though, right? There's this fraternity piece, which basically encourages guys to do this as a group. You know, you're supposed to meet regularly. You're supposed to share with each other. You're supposed to support each other, right? Um, the idea of journey actually with, with others is actually a very biblical principle. If you look up Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, right, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And it's easy to overlook your struggles, right, or even to start deceiving yourself when you're doing things alone. But when others are there to hold you accountable, then you then you really can start work uh, working on growing. You know, it's kind of a little little detour there. Oftentimes when people struggle with the idea of confession and we have many, you know, Christian brothers and sisters of different Protestant groups that don't understand the idea of confessing one's sins to the priesthood, right? If God, if God knows your sins and God can hear you, why don't you just confess yourself directly to God? And there, there's many different caveats and little dimensions that need to kind of be looked at in, in a whole treatment of confession. But as far as what we're talking about now, there is something incredibly beneficial with having somebody right there in front of you actually speaking with you about your struggles, Right? There's something immensely therapeutic in that you can't really hide yourself. Right? Um, th- there's a sense of vulnerability. Right? You need to just lay it all out there. And you know, when you start talking about things like addiction, one of the keys of breaking through addiction is to bring the addiction out into the light, out into the open. Right when you keep things secret, when you keep things bottled up, when you keep things internal, that's really where they fester, and you start keeping hold of these bad habits. But when you have to go get in your car and you have to drive to the church and you have to sit in a booth and actually spill everything that you have, you know, built up in your heart to another person who's there to love you and there to help you and to encourage you and to maybe give you some advice as well as, you know, the theological dimension of true absolution, which is a conversation for another day. The idea of just getting it out into the light is incredibly important, right? I think God knows that. (laughs) And that's why God instituted the sacrament of confession, right? Because if we hold to this idea, you know what, I can just confess right to God, are we really going to though? <laughs> you know, do, are you really being open and honest with yourself that you're spilling out everything, you know, at the, at the, at the feet of the Lord? I know I wouldn't be right. It's almost kind of a, a scapegoat. It's a way of not hafting to bring everything that you're holding deep down out into the light. Anyway, a little, little detour there, but um, this idea of of iron sharpening iron or men helping other men grow, it's it's incredibly important. And when you're doing this program with other guys who are in the same boat, you really, you can be vulnerable, you can be honest, 
right? You can be sharing with each other this unique experience of what you're going through, and you can also be holding each other accountable. If you're doing this by yourself, well, then it's so easy to start cutting corners because who cares? Nobody's walking this with you, right? But when you are accountable to a group who really wants to see you succeed and you want to see them succeed, you're going to hold each other accountable, and it really bolsters, I think, the experience. So for all the fellas out there, Exodus 90 is worth the time, really. And ladies, if you have a man in your life who could stand to grow spiritually, then perhaps present the invitation. Ultimately, they have to take the task on for themselves to be successful, but it's worth trying. Beyond all the physical discipline, I also can't stress that prayer side of it all enough because really at its core, the whole thing is to facilitate an encounter with God. That focused prayer effort is a challenge in and of itself, but again, so worth it. I can't help but think the church struggles with engaging many men because it sometimes struggles with offering examples of the masculine dimension of living the faith. We look to Mary, the Blessed Virgin, and for good reason, right? But many of us perhaps ignore Joseph, (laughs) who was right there as well, right? Guys have a pack mentality, I think. And so things like Exodus 90, where we can come together and we can encourage each other and we can be vulnerable is so important. With fatherhood, which we're kind of thinking about in the wake of of Father's Day, comes a sense of providing and protecting. And fatherhood is something ordained by God. It is good. However, I'm convinced that men are not given enough modern witnesses to living the faith within that fatherly context, right? And so... To, to many, it's an easy choice between mass and the game on a Sunday morning. Right? Exodus 90 really hits home in all sorts of ways to speak to men. And that's certainly why it's been having such a encouraging following and such a huge movement throughout the country. Again, if you're at all interested, really, what are you waiting for? But my mug is empty, which means that's all for this episode of the Uncurated Catholic Show. I cannot thank you enough for tuning in and listening. And again, a big happy Father's Day to all the fathers and, you know, all the other guys who hold that special relationship in in other people's lives, uncles and grandparents and godfathers and all of the priests. Happy Father's Day, spiritual Father's Day to you as well. Again, you can reach me at torrenburke.com or on Instagram at uncuratedcatholic. If you have any questions or suggestions for future topics, always feel free to reach out. I'm always down to chat about whatever comes to your heart as well. Make sure you tune in next week, and why don't we part ways with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of fatherhood, which in some way mirrors your own love for us here on earth. We ask you to strengthen the men of your earthly family. Give them the tools to grow closer to you and to be the men they're called to be so that they may better lead their own families ever closer to heaven. And is in the most holy name of your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All the best. God love you. Benedicimus Domino. Let us bless the Lord.